Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. Today we are concluding the first series in this Pentecost season of Year C. The series theme has been God's words possess God's power. Human words are often meaningless. We make claims without knowledge to back up those claims. We make promises, but we're not able to keep them. God, however, speaks with absolute knowledge. He never lies. God's words possess God's power. God's words establish our faith, transform our hearts, and direct our lives. So today we are thinking about the readings for the Sunday that falls between July 3rd and <clears throat> July 9th. That means we're working with proper nine in year C. The theme tying the readings together this week is Christ provides ministers to proclaim his word. Just a quick introduction of today's participants. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. With me today is Pastor John Bauer of Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, and Pastor John Bordelin, who serves St. John's Lutheran Church in McQuanago, Wisconsin. And also with us today, Pastor James Tiefel of Trinity and St. John's Congregations in Mequon, Wisconsin. Before that, of course, Professor and Dean of Chapel at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. So, John Bauer, let's start with you. Can you talk to us about the proper nine theme in the God's Words Possess God's Power series? Yeah, so this, this is the uh, concluding Sunday in this series that we've been looking at, where the focus has been on this idea that, that God's words possess God's power. And already we've been introduced to the idea that that is true, even when those words are not being spoken by God or by Jesus himself. So two weeks ago with proper seven, uh, the healing of the, the man from the garrisons who had been possessed by demons. And, and uh, at the end of that gospel, Jesus tells him, go home and tell people what God has done for you. And we talked a little bit in, the, in that podcast episode about um, some of the evidence that's found in the gospels for the effect that this man's witness had in that region. Well, today's theme, I think, kind of takes it a, a step, a little bit of a step further then. Um, if each individual Christian can speak God's words and those words possess God's power, um, it makes natural sense that, that God would also want certain individuals within his church to be appointed to speak those words full time. And so today we're, we're focusing on the idea how Jesus himself has this plan for his church that there would be ministers whose job it is to speak the words of God and how, as they do that, we can be confident that they, they possess God's power. Great. Yeah, it, it does fit together well in the, the uh, progression of the lectionary themes as we go through this season. Um, so thanks for pointing that out to us or making those connections for us. Um, John Bordelin, let's go to you next. Can you talk specifically about the, the readings appointed for this Sunday, connections between them? Yeah, thanks, John. And one thing that struck me is, uh, from all three readings, just this uh, thought that uh, the grace of God, um, that his message will continue to be heard, and he wills it that it continues to be heard specifically through ministers who he sends forth in, in three different settings here. So our gospel comes from Luke chapter 10, uh, the sending out of the 72, um, as they went to every town and place that Jesus was about to go. Um, they were going to serve the people they met as Jesus would have if, if he were there himself with the good news that he comes to bring. 
Our first reading from Ezekiel 2 and 3, um, yes, the Lord would be with his people through his messenger, even in Babylon, um, though he would no longer dwell in that temple that Solomon had built, uh, he would continue to dwell in their hearts through the word that was preached. And then our sermon text for today, First uh, Peter um, chapter 5, um, emphasizing um, the shepherds that God has appointed uh, to oversee the flock, which of course is precious to him. Great. Yeah, let's go to that then. Um, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, that's the text that we'll be focusing on this week. So uh, Jim Tiefel, I'll turn things over to you. Can you get us thinking more about this text and preaching it, whatever you'd like to highlight to get our discussion going? Yeah, well, I mean, this text is, is, is written to pastors, to shepherds, to overseers. Um, it's the it's the, one of the critical passages in the right for pastoral installation and ordination. It's the last um, encouragement that you hear in that right. So it, it, it really is addressed to pastors. So it works great as a sermon for a pastor's installation or ordination. Might work well for a Bible study if you have a small group of elders who have pastoral responsibilities in a congregation, like visitation or something like that. Although it, it is primarily addressed to pastors. So the, the challenge is to try to take this text, which is addressed by Peter to pastors and overseers and apply it and, and preach it. I mean, it's easy to know what the text says. It's harder to preach this text. Um, <clears throat> So the easiest way to have this text preached in your congregation is to get an older and experienced retired pastor and have him preach on this text in your church so that he can talk about you rather than you talking about yourself. But that may not be practical in every situation. I would be glad to help if you need somebody, but that may not work in every situation. So I think you have to find a way to talk about the value of the pastoral ministry, and you have to talk about the, the text itself. So I, I just started thinking about this, and it seemed to me that one of the goals of this text is to, in, in preaching, is to help the people sitting in front of you to understand the validity and the importance of the ministry of word and sacrament. And, and I would think you could do that by a careful explanation and assessment of the two words which are here, and that is shepherd and overseer. Um, they seem to be used as positives to one another. And so to be able to talk about that, I think would be a, a valuable thing. You'd be able to you'd be able to answer the question, why does God want, why does God establish the office of the public ministry, the, 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 this ministry? Um, what are the reasons for that? I think you can preach law and gospel in that section. The second is to help people understand that the pastor always struggles with, he's always susceptible to temptations and, and 
that he goes through a daily struggle to be the kind of man that God wants him to be. I'll, I'll talk about that later on. But I, I think that that's a way to preach this text, which does not come off as being self-serving, to, to give people an opportunity to look at the pastor in an objective way and to say, this is why God, God want, wanted you to call a pastor. And, and this is the struggle that the pastor is often going to go through. I think if you start thinking like that, you might have a structure that could work pretty well in having you preach this text rather than an old guy preaching it while you're sitting in the pew. Yeah, John Bauer, a thought? Just to, to build on that a little bit, I think it's interesting to think about these four verses within the context of the, the greater letter as a whole. So obviously these four are addressed specifically to the what Peter calls the elders in this congregation. So that's who Peter is writing to, but they're part of this, this bigger letter that was really for uh, an entire group of people. And so it's as if there's this conversation going on between Peter and the elders, but then the, the people get to listen in on it. And so I think you can kind of approach it from that standpoint, but of saying sort of in line with what John said before, how, how gracious is Jesus, not only that he provides these shepherds, but that he describes their work and describes the qualifications for their work so that you can overhear it, so that, so that you can listen in on it, so that you have the tools that you need to be able to, first of all, recognize the blessing that this office is, and then second of all, also evaluate um, the, the standards by which Jesus, uh, you know, holds these people. You, I, I think, you know, if you rewind a couple of decades, the, the choice of who is going to be my shepherd really was a choice of which church am I going to join, right? I, I make that decision once. I joined this church, and therefore this man or these men are my pastors, are my spiritual shepherds. But in a world where, um, you know, every church in the world is online, we have access to podcasts, pastors write best-selling books, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think the choice of who will I allow to shepherd my soul is a little bit more complex. And so the gift of, as a, as a sheep, being able to listen in on this, on these instructions that Peter gives to the elders is a, a very valuable thing. Um, and just, just one more thought related to that. It's interesting how the, the book starts out when Peter addresses his audience he calls them the, you know, the scattered ones. Well, if you're a sheep, being scattered is, is the worst possible scenario, right? Well, now he, he talks about how even as the scattered <coughs> of God, Jesus has appointed shepherds over you for this reason. And, and here are the, uh, some of the qualifications he wants them to live up to. Great, great. Thank you for that. Yet, yeah, uh, John Bordelin, thought yeah. response to that? Yeah, uh, thanks for that. And, you know, and Professor Tiefel had mentioned, you know, maybe this is the time to bring a, an old guy uh, in and, and not to be too cute here. But, you know, I think about where Peter is at in his ministry, um, of course, inspired, but as he pens these words, and not sure these are the same words he would have penned uh, as we see him with Jesus during his time of ministry um, here on earth and kind of a little bit of a, hey, Peter had learned, um, Peter had learned his lesson and and what comes from belonging to the good shepherd and 
and then being able to speak uh, for the Good Shepherd. And, and we have that too. And I don't know, this is the time, uh, you know, different sermons take on uh, different tones. And, and I wonder if, if this isn't more of a kind of a fireside chat uh, between a real Zalesorga and, uh, and, and his flock. And, and, and maybe you're, uh, through this text, your congregation has an opportunity um, to see the heart uh, by God's grace that beats inside of you and, and the joy and privilege that belongs to you to, uh, to be an under-shepherd of that flock. I think this text gives that, that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim? Yeah, I think one of, the, one of the values of spending the entire first focus of the sermon on, on just those two words, on, on, on the shepherd and the overseer, really allow you to do a lot of things. Um, the overseer is, and the shepherd are, are not namby-pamby. Um, there are times when they have to lead, um, they have to lead with determination. I mean, you look at what Ezekiel had to say to the nation of Israel. Um, it, it allows you, I think, to run through the whole definition of what it means to be a sheep and all of the biblical references to, to the sheep, how they stray and how they fall into crevasses and, and how they get lost. And, and, and all of those things can be applied in a way which, which is the law. And then you can point out that, 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 that both the shepherd and the overseer are interested in keeping the sheep safe. And there, of course, you can get yourself into the gospel. So what, what John was saying, that people have so many choices today when they go church shopping or when they, when they look, you know, they, they watch on the internet, to help them to see that, that there are going to be times when your pastor says something that you may not necessarily like to hear, but he, he says it because he loves you and because he needs to draw you back and you have to come to grips with that. And then there are gonna be times when you're, when you're, you're down and, and you got nothing left. And then he comes and stands at your side and tells you the most beautiful words you've ever heard in your life. I think to, to, to stress both of those extremes in the first part, based on those two terms alone, I think can go a long way in establishing what the ministry of the gospel means to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that is a great way to approach it. And that also does relieve some of that, um, uh, the awkward position the preacher is about, uh, it, in terms of preaching about preachers. Um, yeah, let it be a, a more objective look at shepherds and overseers, God's grace in providing them, uh, and how, God's words possess God's power, right? Spoke God speaking through his called shepherd to proclaim law and gospel, uh, to convict, to comfort for the sake of the sheep and all coming out of love for the sheep, right? I think that's a good way to approach it. And yeah, as, as John Bauer said, it's um, uh, God speaking to his shepherds and giving the sheep um, the 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 opportunity to listen in on this conversation and to get a look at that. So yeah, that's a good way to frame the sermon. I think is God's people listening as God speaks to his shepherds and about his shepherds 
and a good way to uh, approach law and gospel from that perspective. John Bordelin? Yeah, one thing that might give me a little excitement to preach this is I think about comments that are often received after uh, a lay member attends an installation or ordination service, just you know how awesome that was. And boy, I wish everyone was here, but but the reality is the great majority of our members probably have never attended an installation or ordination service or, or not have that opportunity to do so. And, and to bring a little bit of that joy to the congregation on a regular Sunday morning, uh, what a beautiful thing God has designed um, that his people would have pastors. And what a beautiful thing uh, that God uses uh, ordinary men to shepherd the flock in, in this way. Great. Jim? Yeah, I think I think that approach also keeps keeps the preacher in line with the seasonal focus. You're you're really not talking so much about the preacher in part one. I mean, he's obviously there, as as you are talking about. This is what Jesus has established, and this is why he has established it. Mm -hmm. And and so you know you can kind of you can kind of find a way to be more objective. I think that there are, there are mistakes that can be made in, in law and gospel preaching on this sermon. Um, I think that to, um, to, to use the law um, just to identify mistakes the pastor makes is to forget the people in the pew. I think that to preach the law as though non-Wells pastors are the ones who are guilty of breaking these guidelines is self-serving. And I think to preach to the people, you ought to respect the pastor more because this is who he is. I mean, that's self-serving too, but I think those are all traps that the preacher can easily fall into if if he if you know if, if he's if he's not careful and if he doesn't think through what this section is really trying to do, yeah. And Jim, I think related to that, you'd made a comment uh, before recording that if a pastor finds himself in a troubled situation with his congregation or a situation of conflict or something like that, um, those temptations can really come to the fore, particularly the last one you mentioned, where a pastor says, well, here's my opportunity um, to tell you all what's what, and you can't talk back to me because I'm up here and, and you don't have the, the opportunity to respond. It, it may be a time, seriously, to say, I'll preach on the Luke text uh, this week. Um, because this is a sensitive area and we need to do more work together and have more conversations um, around the table with one another um, before we address an issue, uh, issues that are there. Um, so that, that might be something for pastors to think about as well. I mean, hopefully that's not the situation, but yeah, it, it's maybe good to mention at any rate. Jim? Yeah, I, I think too, there, there are situations in which the pastor probably skips this proper um, just like you said, if there's, if there's trouble brewing and if, you know, if, if he's made some mistakes and now he needs to figure out a way to, to undo them, or if there, there are people who are taking exception to him, you stand up in the pulpit and you seem to be talking without giving them an opportunity to respond. And that's kind of unfair. So mm -hmm. I could see a situation where I let this proper pass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Let's go to maybe the, the second part. Jim, you kind of explained an objective way to talk about um, the ministry of the gospel using those terms shepherd and overseer in the first section of the sermon. Um, what would be an approach to uh, look at maybe verses uh, two and three of the, the first Peter five text here? Yeah. Um, I mean, there, you know, there are, there are guys, there are the, 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 the um, the language experts will say, be, beware of spending too much time on word studies. I understand that. But I think in this case, a careful study of those six words in two and three is valuable. And I, I think what's valuable is to try to, to imagine or to come up with real life situations that, that illustrate what those points actually are. So for instance, in verse two, when you talk about um, don't do this by compulsion, what, what does that mean? You know, um, getting, getting by with the easiest way when the, when the, pastors, when the pastor says, ah, if I spent five minutes saying the Lord's Prayer with her in the hospital, that's enough. You know, there are, there are I think there are practical illustrations for each one of those six. And I think you have to kind of look to try to strive. You have to look to find practical illustrations of them. Then I, 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 think, I think that you, you just admit that pastors struggle with these things. I mean, it's your kid's fifth birthday. You head for the hospital. Um, you know, Tilly is crying and she wants some comfort and your wife expects you home by six. And now how do you work through that? You know, how, how do you, how do you not treat the ministry as just a job? And now you need to get home to celebrate the kid's birthday. You know, how do you handle that? I, I think to admit that all pastors struggle with these three goals and with these three problems, I think it's just being honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. John Bauer? I, I think the beauty of them, especially the, the second and third ones, um, is that they all the more amplify what a shame it would be if a pastor used this text to stand up in front of his flock and club them over the head with it about how yeah. they should respect him. Um, you know, even going back to the beginning where, where Peter refers to himself as a, as a witness of Christ's sufferings, whose glory is, is still to come. And then at the end, uh, the real reward of, of being a pastor is not the immediate, you know, accolades or, or anything else that you might gain uh, in the here and now, but the crown of, of glory that the, the chief shepherd will appoint. So how natural then that Peter would say, um, you're doing this not, not, to, not because you think you're going to get anything out of it, but, but in order to serve and not lording it over as if, you know, here's a group of people that exist to follow my, my every whim and listen to everything I tell them, uh, but instead to set an example of what true Christ-like love looks like. So I, I don't know how you could you know, you'd have to skip over those verses almost, or, you know, just ignore them entirely if you were going to use this as a text to um, try and harp on people for, for not respecting the office more. Yeah, John Bordelin. And I just think about the people too. 
um, would that they see the heart of Jesus um, in their pastor, but also in this text? And, and is there a way to communicate in this part? Uh, what does Jesus have in store for you, the flock, as he blesses you with a minister who, who serves in this way? You know, what an absolute blessing it is for the church of God that the preacher isn't up there for, for the filthy lucre, to use the old term, right? Uh, that this is the heart that beats behind that. And what uh, the blessing that Jesus has in store, both for preacher and parishioner um, in that sort of a relationship. Uh, Jim, did you have a thought? Yeah, I, you know, I, the reason why I, I emphasized the, the importance of, of getting to know each one of these, I mean, the first group are adverbs and the last group are participles, to getting to know these well, I mean, with, with greed, to be shamefully greedy, you, you know, the, 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 the preacher understands that he's not going to get the same salary as a lawyer. But he can make himself a pretty neat 40,000 by not really doing all that much, you know, and, and so he can get by. And, and I, I think to get to know that word. So, for instance, when he says, don't lord it over, the opposite of that is not being a wimp, but to be a model, an example to the what, what does it what does it mean when the pastor needs to take a stand against sin and how does that influence the members of the congregation so the lord is not asking the pastor to say nothing he's not i mean ezekiel was hardly a wimp but he he shows them how law and gospel are applied in a practical way even when it's hard so I think getting to know those terms is really, really valuable. John Bauer. I was going to add to something that, that John Bordelon said before, just that idea of uh, using this text as an opportunity to say, look, look at what Jesus, the good shepherd has in store for you, the flock through this, this thing that he does. And I think the real neat thing that ties that can tie part one and, and part two together um, you know, if in part one, we talk about these descriptions of the office they're really protecting the flock from a, a common temptation, which would be spiritual autonomy. You know, I, I don't need anyone else to be paying attention to my faith. This is just between me and God. Peter is saying, you, you need an overseer. You need, a, you need a shepherd. So spiritual autonomy, we're protected from that. And then these imperatives are protecting us from spiritual abuse by the shepherds who, who God places over us. So in, in both cases, it's really the good of the sheep that you get a chance to, to highlight. Um, I'm not out there on my own, but on, at the same time, I, I do have protection against a guy who would be a real jerk in this office and, and use his spiritual authority to abuse the flock. Right, right. John Bordelon? Yeah, I wonder too, you know, how often does a pastor just have that opportunity to talk to his people? I think annual reports, I, I mean, you think the leaders you, you serve shoulder to shoulder with it. I think oftentimes when you first come to a place or or leave a place, and uh, and I, I can't remember if it was the district president or circuit pastor or whoever, and I think they were probably channeling Walter when when they just make the point, you know, this is the most beautiful place on earth because because God would put up with you here to be their shepherd. And um, I wonder, I don't think that's a self-serving 
thing on the basis of this text for the preacher to just say to his people, you know, it, it is an absolute blessing for me to be here um, in this relationship um, because God would have me be here. Um, and it's, it's good for me too, as your preacher. Um, and sometimes we just maybe need to say that. So. Sure. Sure. John Bauer. Yeah. I think along those lines, uh, in a certain sense, if you're doing the job that is described in these verses, the other 51 Sundays and festivals a year, namely you are, you are pointing people to Christ in your preaching and teaching. You are, you are being their shepherd. Um, you kind of build up the, the, uh, the capital, so to speak, to be able to sit down with them or stand in front of them as it were, and, and, preach on this text. Um, so I think it, it's a good opportunity to, to remember, you know, it's, it's really the entirety of my care for these people that makes it possible. If this were just like done in a vacuum as a one-off <coughs> doing the job described in these verses is going to stand in front of the people and talk about his job. It seems like a, a bizarre thing, but I think when the relationship of trust has been built up, it's, it's a wonderful blessing to be able to sit down you know, once a year, basically, and, and kind of highlight some of these things. Right, right. It's done in the context of a broader relationship between a pastor and his people, definitely. Jim, uh, did you have an additional? Yeah, I, I wrote that down. I, 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 that's kind of good as far as structure is concerned, that the, the, the chief shepherd protects us against spiritual auton autonomy, and he protects us against spiritual abuse. And I think those are, I think that's a structure that that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I came up with a structure about um, consider the shepherd who serves under Christ. Part one, he knows his sheep. And part two, he knows himself. Um, it's, it's another way to approach the text, I think. But I think it's not any better than spiritual autonomy and spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, related to that second part and, and a pastor knowing himself um, or the words of caution that Jesus speaks to his under shepherds, uh, yeah, it, it is okay, I think, in that re broader relationship between a pastor and his flock um, for a pastor to admit his shortcomings. Jim talked about it, admitting, hey, I, I struggle with this. Um, it doesn't have to be, yeah, uh, the pastor going into the confessional or oversharing or things like that. But exactly. I, th I think there's a, there's kind of a realness when the pastor says, I hear Jesus words to me and I struggle and I need a shepherd too, uh, who laid down his life for me and who leads me and guides me um, so that I need that blessing coming to me so that I can pass those uh, powerful words on to you too. Uh, Jim, you know, you, you look at, for all the student sermons I've ever read, they, they always want to be sure that they don't exalt themselves above the members of their congregation, you know, so, so you, every once in a while you see something that says, well, God is, God is against drunkenness, and I've been drunk just as often as anybody, you know, I mean, they don't need to hear that, they don't need to know that, hopefully it is, it's an exaggeration, but, you know, you can, you can admit to the struggles that all pastors face, and they will assume you're including yourself because you're not going to say, well, this is a struggle I never have, but a lot of guys do, um, without getting too personal. Um, so you got to, you have to be, you have to be a little savvy when you mm -hmm. start talking about stuff like that. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, be honest and open, but yeah, know some boundaries too, um, because they can end up, uh, yeah, too much personal information. You may think, well, I'm being just totally raw and transparent here. It can be a distraction actually from the, the main point. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Ew. <laughs> right. uh, I'm just going to say, you know, for all the, the, the time people have spent the, dissecting Paul's words in first Corinthians 12 or second Corinthians 12, you know, what exactly is his thorn in the flesh? He didn't tell us. He, he deliberately chose not to, to mention it. Uh, Romans seven, where he talks about all the, all the good that he cannot do in spite of how much he wants to, and all the evil he keeps on doing. He doesn't specify exactly what he's, what he's talking about there. He's just uh, letting them know it's a struggle. The Christian life is a struggle for him as much as anybody. And I think with this text, you can, you know, even, even as simple as saying, you know, Peter would not be giving these instructions. The Holy Spirit would not have inspired Peter to give these instructions if they were not needed by all pastors and rest mm -hmm. assured they are, they are needed. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. Well, we've had the opportunity to, to, yeah, kind of address some approaches to this text. Any concluding thoughts here, Jim? I, you know, I think there's a place for prayer at the end of this sermon that you encourage the people to, you encourage the people to pray that they continue to rejoice in, in the word and the sacrament and in, in the ministry of their pastor. And also that they pray for their pastor, that the Lord would spare him the temptations that come to all pastors. I think that encouragement, I, I think, could be valuable at the end. And, and the prayer that we all meet together um, before this glory that will never be taken away. Yeah, great thought. John Bordelin. Yeah, this maybe isn't so much uh, for the sermon, but uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you've actually made it this far, um, you know, just to uh, just thinking about the the final verse there and what is for you, dear preacher, and uh, for all the reason you need to carry out this work and the encouragement to carry out this work and and what's waiting for you and for all the people whose lives uh, the Lord blessed you to touch with His saving word. Um, there is a real joy there. How is it described? An unfading crown of glory um, in store for you. And there's just real joy there. Yeah, definitely. A beautiful gospel in that concluding verse. Uh, beautiful encouragement there. John Bauer, any uh, concluding thoughts? No, I, I, it, was, it was kind of uh, stated already. And I think John's, John's words are a very fitting way to wrap things up. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The encouragement that's there. Um, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Uh, beautiful words and encouraging for preachers. So yeah, an interesting uh, text we've, we've discussed this week. Um, preachers uh, hearing words about preachers and then sharing those words. But I think we've got some great suggestions uh, to offer preachers for how to approach this text, uh, some ways to proclaim the gospel that's here and the encouragement that's here. Um, and remembering that it all comes back to the grace of our God who gives us his powerful words and, and puts them among us uh, and even in our mouths too. So thank you for joining us this week and God's blessings as you preach the word.